Welcome back to The Melancholy Condition. I am your host, Darius Velasquez, and you're listening to Season 3. Enjoy. Here's an ad. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps that people like to listen? How do I make money from podcasts? The answer to every single one of these questions is pretty simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. And that means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. The reason why I love Anchor is just because it's easy. It's simple. It's on my phone. I don't use any exterior hardware. I don't got to do anything really, but just pick up my phone, open the Anchor app, press record, invite my guests, and boom, you have the melancholy condition. So if you want to start your podcast, do so today. Go to anchor.fm. Hey, Don, how's it going? It's going well. How's it going with you? Amazing. Amazing. I'm glad we're connected. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So it's been a while since I have uh, read the initial submissions whenever I got everybody's email to be on the podcast. So go ahead and just give me like a reminder of um, everything that you bring to the table today. Wow. I was trying to remember that too. Um, Let's see. I definitely have depression. I've had suicide in my past. Um, um, I've survived a suicide attempt in my past. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I have PTSD and CPTSD. Um, I had a really crappy childhood, which if you want to talk about that as it goes into the depression, that's totally cool. However you want to, you know, however you want to swing it. Mm-hmm. And then I also have the stories of overcoming where, you know, I've come through the other side of all my suicidal and depressive states. And now I have my podcast, Young Through Bipolar, where I'm trying to help people um, not have to live like I did and to get well without having to go through all the um, bullshit that I went through literally to get better. Yeah. Um, awesome. Cool. Well, I'll give it a five count. And typically this, uh, the way the podcast goes, I don't necessarily have any form of everything. I just kind of do free form conversation and whatever comes along comes along we have about an hour to talk so is whatever information you feel like you want to fit within that hour is completely up to you and if there's something that you you know aren't comfortable talking about that's perfectly fine you just let me know yeah everything's good i'm open i'm open to it so let's just let let it ride out and see where it goes cool cool so i'll give it a five (laughs) count we got uh five four three two one Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Melancholy Condition. I am here with Dawn Shireen. Dawn, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. I'm Dawn Shireen. My podcast is Dancing with Bipolar. And uh, what I hope to bring to the table is a whole lot of hope for everybody that's suffering with depression and or any form of mental illness to let you know that, you know what, there is another side to it and it does get better if you let it. Awesome. Awesome. So tell, I mean, you kind of gave me a brief uh, introduction with some of the things that you've struggled with in the past. And I'm pretty excited that you um, as well started a podcast kind of based on your own experiences to help uh, other individuals going through similar events. So tell me what interested in you in starting your podcast. Well, it's funny about how I started my podcast because I actually had never thought about starting a podcast 
And my friend started a podcast um, called Perfectly Flawed, of which there are way too many with that title. So don't even try to look for it because you won't <laughs> find it. There's so many with that title. Um, I could tell you I'm episode 39, though, on her show when she finally did get around to interviewing me. Um, so, yeah, so I was uh, not eagerly awaiting to be on her podcast. I was actually terrified to do it and kept hedging um, the date on it. And then the day that I was ready to do it, she was like, oh, I've got like seven shows ahead of you. And I was like, but I'm ready to do it now. Let's, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> not realizing what the process was of how the whole podcasting worked at that time. I had no clue what I was, what I was up against. So I was like, well, if she can do a podcast then why can't I do a podcast? I downloaded the anchor app and I hit record and my first three and a half minutes of my first podcast are so painful to listen to now but <laughs> you know back to that first show and it's like oh my god and you can't delete it out because it's the basis of everything that you built the rest of your podcast on oh yeah for sure yeah. for sure so it's like it, I'm, I'm, I mean it's not horrible but it's definitely not what my show's finally got into and I you know I can guarantee you in a year later I'll go Oh my God, those first 45 shows I did were just ridiculously terrible, you know, but um, it's all a basis of starting. So I determined that I had a unique voice and a unique story that needed to be told. I didn't know why it needed to be told at the time, but I knew that it needed to be told. So I started my podcast and um, my first few shows were really just an introduction to me and uh, how it is where I got from where I started to where I am. So there's episodes about suicide, which I have attempted suicide, survived suicide, about my family um, dysfunction, I guess is a really good way to put it, mm-hmm. and how, yeah, how that kind of created what I ultimately became because we all are products of our childhood as much as we might like to think we're not products of it. We, we are. And um, how Absolutely. I... Yeah, how I've kind of, I still have issues with my childhood, and I still have, I'm in therapy, so that's good, but there's still stuff about my childhood that, to this day, I'm like, what if, what if, and I'm sure we all go through that what if scenario, mm-hmm. so my podcast, I kind of do that out loud, and then work my way through it, like I'm my own therapist, sometimes yeah. on the show, you know, um, but I've, I've come through a lot. And then, you know, my, in my, um, my teenage years, I lost my dad when I was 15. So there's a whole lot of grief with that, that never was really taken care of when I was a kid. We never went to grief therapy after my dad died, which I think is in this day and age, that would be a prerequisite that once a parent is, you know, told your parent has cancer or something that your, the kids would be in therapy, but that didn't happen back when I was growing up. So there yeah. was a lot to do with that and um, my bad dating styles, I think, since my dad died because I'm always looking for the guy that's going to abandon me. And I find him. Um, inevitably, I'll always find the guy that's <laughs> ready to abandon the relationship, shockingly. And, um, you know, then the rest of it went on from there. I went into a military career of which being undiagnosed bipolar was not the best situation to be in. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, things like that. But I ultimately started my podcast in order to help people. Well, first of all, not feel alone. Secondly, not to let their diagnosis take over who they really are, because it's just a diagnosis. It's just what they use to bill to bill from is how I look at my diagnosis numbers. Now it's like, that's just something they used to bill me. It doesn't mean that I am 
you know, I don't go out and introduce myself as, hi, I'm bipolar. I don't do that. I mean, that's the name of my podcast. So people will, you know, be able to do bipolar. So people will be like, we have an affinity together. Here we go. I found somebody that has the same affliction I have. But yeah. it doesn't mean that we are, you know, I hate it when people live by their diagnosis because you're so much more than that. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you're, that might, that's just, that's just what the doctor told you, but that doesn't make you who you are. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> no, I just wanted to, I wanted to touch on something that you had said about kind of um, reflecting about, you know, things on your childhood where you're kind of, you know, how old are you at the moment? Now I'm 55. I just turned 55. Okay. So maybe I'm just a little bit of ahead in my years, but you know, as I um, get older, I'm 22 right now and oh. I always find myself you know, looking back, like, at things that I do without my day, right, things that I'm attracted to, uh, you know, certain foods, certain choices, certain microaggressions that I have, which hopefully in the future, I actually found a guy who's um, a psychologist that is based, like, his primary study in field is all around microaggression. So I'm, like, pushing to get him on here so we can talk about these kind of things. But something that I've noticed within myself is, like, a lot of the microaggressions that I have, you know, that kind of come up, whether it be in like my daily interactions with my friends and family or even with my, in my relationship, um, I will look back at them, you know, like on a day, if I'm, I typically like to start my mornings, um, if I get the chance to just, you know, sit on my balcony and have a cup of coffee and not really, you know, be on my phone too much, just kind of enjoy some quiet time. And uh, it gives me like, even at night, sometimes like for my lunch, um, I picked up an overnight job. So like on my lunch, it's like at 2am, I have an hour to just sit there. Everybody's dead asleep. And I can just think, you know what I mean? And I a lot of like I said, it's been a lot of reflection of the things like the habits that I have and wondering, like, hold on, did this develop to a habit because of the repetition of this as a child, you know what I mean? So, and it's, it's pretty interesting that, you know, you're able to say that you are still, I don't know if you've always had those like recollections, but it's pretty cool to know that you are still having those, you know, hindsight thoughts of, um, you know, like, Hey, is this happening because of this? Hey, is this happening because of that? And another thing kind of like, as far as reflection that I've been doing, especially, like I said, as I get older, because I'm still pretty young, um, as I'll notice, like, I'll just remember things like me and my girlfriend will be, our apartment, we'll be talking about some things and we'll, she'll say something to me like, Oh, do you remember this? And like, it'll start a train of yeah. memories of things that happened to me as a kid. Like, um, I walked by, we were cleaning one morning and I walked by my closet and I was like, babe, you know, I think I'm, I, I think I need some new shoes. And then I was like, hold on. I don't need new shoes. And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I want new shoes, but I don't need new shoes because, and then it just sent me down this like memory lane of whenever I was a kid, my mom had worked like three jobs to help me and my two little brothers. Cause she was a divorced parent, uh, at least to my two little brothers, dad. And as a kid, like I said, as she was working three jobs, we didn't really have the most expensive stuff. And I remember we used to only buy shoes from the clearance aisle Mm -hmm. and that was at a time whenever like we could only afford shoes every school year that was the only time we got shoes you know what I mean so whenever I said you know I need new shoes 
it made me think back to those times like holy shit you know i have like 10 pairs of shoes in my closet i don't need new shoes i just want new shoes and then it like i said it kind of made me think about all those moments whenever i'd get pissed off at my mom for not having the money to buy the cool shoes but she was just doing what she could you know yeah she did everything she could to help you guys survive and it's funny because i just had an incident like that too and i can't remember what it was with but i just did that i need whatever the heck it was and then I was like, no, no, I don't need it. I would like to have this. But yeah. as, right as far as need goes, the things I need are shelter, food, and enough clothing that I don't get arrested. Yeah. That's a pretty good perspective on it, that you don't get and arrested, huh? I don't get arrested. I mean, it's, it's actually, it's funny. I'm in Arizona right now, and it just started snowing where I live. So it's like, you Oh, know, wow. Where are you, what part of Arizona? I live up in the uh, the northeast corner in a place called Lakeside, Arizona, right outside of Sholo, Arizona, which is our the historical site around here. And I'm gonna mm-hmm. everybody, I, I encourage you to look it up because I don't really want to explain why the ta- the town is named Sholo, but you'll look at it and you'll go, oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll ask my girlfriend because she's actually from Phoenix. Oh, is she? Then she'll know. Yeah. About Sholo, yeah. So I'm like up up in the north. Um, a little bit. I mean, I'm below. Um, I'm below Flagstaff, but we're like okay. northeast corner, like around Holbrook. And she'll she'll say, "Oh, Pine Top Lakeside." She'll probably know exactly where it is and be like, "Oh, we used to vacation up there." Because heck yeah, I'll yeah, bring it up to her. Yeah, we're known so, as the vacation the vacation quadrant of Arizona now. They're trying to push that. So oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Yep. Um, something I wanted to bring up was, uh, you know. Prior to uh, actually being like during the episode, you had told me a lot about, you know, um, the PTSD and what is it? CTP? CPTSD, which is. um, What is that? Well, it's basically PTSD that is brought on from childhood trauma. um, Okay. Of which I had plenty of it. Um, You know, from the, I was, my grandfather molested me from an early age on, I don't know how young I was when it started, but I stopped it at eight, but that was probably, Uh yeah, that was probably the beginning of the the trauma in my life that just compounded because once you have a trauma like that and it's on, you know, you're not getting, you're not getting well from it. You're not getting any help for it. Every other thing that happens to you builds upon that trauma. So it's just like an existential amount of pain from that one trauma that grows from everything that comes from building upon that trauma so there was that and then um i started medicating self-medicating by the age of eight so by the time i was 12 i was a full-blown alcoholic kid alcoholic um trying to mask the pain i'm sure that the mental illness was already popping in at that point in time but because it I wasn't being diagnosed and, you know, because the way my family was, we weren't going to the doctor, you know, we weren't Mm. doing things that most people do. And I don't know if that was a cover for them that they knew my grandfather was doing that to me or they were just didn't, they were just bad, you know, just bad parents. My dad was, you know, my dad was basically not around. He was working all the time and my mom was a stay at home mom, but she had something going on too. And in hindsight, here we go to the hindsight. Um, she was definitely bipolar. There was no doubt about it. Um, up all night, creating art, sleeping all day, doing nothing, and then waking up just barely before to throw something on the oven to look like she had been, you know, doing her job, quote, unquote, yeah. her mom's job, yeah, all day. And um, and I got into those bad habits, um, not knowing how to clean a house and not knowing how to 
um, through time time management within that, like I had no time management skills. I barely have them now, but I'm getting way better at it. Um, at 55, so I can say that. And, and those are things I go back and look at and go, huh, if I would have had so-and-so's mom instead of the mother I had, would I have been a successful executive? Would this have happened for me? Would I have not have been a drug addict? Would I have not had had all these you know issues in learning how to maintain a normal everyday life mm-hmm. and i think the answer is probably yes but i don't know for sure but i mean i've maintained i mean i've made it this far and i'm still alive yeah yeah you're still here and that's all that matters you know tomorrow is what matters not yesterday exactly exactly although yesterday does build upon everything that our tomorrow brings yeah absolutely absolutely Uh, one thing i wanted to ask you um you know with your uh traumatic childhood event leading to your you know uh self-medication do you think that maybe um you know the because of the underdeveloped brain being introduced to these substances do you think maybe that hormonal balance could have been the catalyst to uh what you've later found out to be the bipolar disorder? Yeah, that's a definite possibility. Um, I don't think anybody's supposed to start drinking at the age of eight. So, you know, when you're not, <laughs> you know, you're not fully formed yet and your brain is, I mean, I think your brain grows until what you're about 21, 22, something like that. And then, yeah, there's certain parts of your brain, like your for men, um, I believe your prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed. Like your that's what controls a lot of your long-term thinking, um, which is like, lets you be able to create a plan, right? So like whenever you're young and you have all these ideas that are like a week in advance, a month in advance, most people don't have the, you know, they're not capable of thinking like five years in advance and creating a five-year, 10-year plan until they're around like 21, 22, because of at least in men now in women i do believe your prefrontal cortex develops before around like yeah 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 it's younger everything's younger for women but i do think that i because i've i've considered that too and i mean so i was an alcoholic by 12 i started smoking weed at like 13 14 and then got into legal speed back in the day you used to be able to buy it through the back of high times it was basically a veteran which i don't know how i survived that period of my life but um Mm -hmm. Yeah, I truly, I really do wonder about that. Although within my family history, mental illness, it's there on my mom's yeah. side of the family. Um, but I don't think it helped it at all. You know, I mean, it certainly didn't do me any benefit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, well, in a, maybe in a way, I mean, this is where it can go into that where, sure, it didn't do my actual like mental um, chemistry any good. But maybe it did actually keep me from committing suicide at a young age because I would be obliterated and not, you know, go on to that next step of let's play in front of a car, let's fall out of a tree, let's do something stupid to end this. So, um, but yeah, I think in hindsight, because I mean, the first thing they do when you go into um, a mental mental health to get well is they they sober you up. Mm -hmm. They put you on a water cleanse, don't they? Yeah, they put you on a water cleanse. They make you stop any illicit drug activities that you're up to. They get you to detox, that whole thing, so they can have a baseline as to what you really are all about without all this, you know, attributing factors that are making you who you think you are, but is not really who you are. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point that you brought up. Um, I wonder how many people 
that have been diagnosed can go back to like ages of 13, 14, when most people start, you know, experimenting mm-hmm. and see if, if that's part of what, at, you know, help their help with their chemical, their chemical imbalance, so to speak. Yeah, because um, I mean, I know a lot of the times, like, especially even up to present date of people being put on medications and, you know, for instance, if a doctor has a new anxiety medication, which is just another, you know, it's maybe an antidepressant or um, I mean, I really don't know. I know a lot of the medications are changing pretty frequently and I don't know exactly what all of them are. I know whenever I was younger, uh, my cousin um, was put on a lot of medications for a bunch of different things that the doctors uh, thought he had medically issues. Um, and a lot of those medications now they're being used for like erectile dysfunction or little small things of cancer, like, uh, beginning stages. you know what I mean? So he's like, he's asking me, he's like, dude, did you know that this was used for this now? And they used to put me on that when I was a kid because of this uh, surgery or whatever. And it like with him, he spent a lot of his childhood up until he was like 16 years old in the hospital, constantly being switched off of medications, never being able to play outside for more than like an hour and stuff like that. Uh And, you know, so now that he's like 30 years old, he's just basically a big 15 year old because he's only had 15 years of life outside of a hospital. You know what I mean? So, you know, with that being said, and having an understanding of, you know, some other people, like I said, being put on, you know, antidepressants and anxiety medications at an older age, I understand that there's a lot of these medications create a giant hormonal imbalance. And that's why I, you know, I try to steer away from most medications, unless I'm like, about to start crying. And even then, like when I got my wisdom teeth, I took my I took one medication didn't like how it made me feel because I felt like it suppressed my appetite. And I didn't right. like the fact that I wasn't able to eat, um, even though I shouldn't have been eating, you know what I mean? But I just didn't like the way it made me feel. It made my stomach feel weird. It made me feel like I was on this like weird autopilot. I can't stand not being aware of my own, you know what I mean? And even to this day, I don't even take ibuprofen, not because ibuprofen's bad or anything, but I just, I won't take it because I'm, you know what I mean? And I, cause I don't like the pill factor because of the, the, um, adverse effects of after taking them for so long you know what I mean after three months of taking most medications you're going to have not only withdrawals but a chemical imbalance within your brain you know your hormones the type of you know the way that you're thinking and you're not going to be straight to me in my in my opinion from my experience and this may not be for everybody you know what I'm saying because I've had people in the past um there's a couple guests I think season two the very last episode a gentleman he had very very severe OCD and ADHD and his medication fixed all of his problems without you know what I mean and he added and he added yeah 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 I get that I I'm, I'm going to just put this out here right now. I'm not a doctor and I don't want anybody to follow the way that I, I do my medication because um, I hate my medication. I'm not going to lie. I can't stand it. It flatlines me. I feel like I'm not a person when I'm like fully compliant with my medication. Mm. And um, it's like I'm half, but I'm compliant. With, <laughs> excuse me. So exactly what you're saying. I'm being compliant with it now because I need to be because I need to be on point when it comes to the podcast and just in my life in general I need to be on point but I feel like I'm half of a person when I'm taking when I'm compliant with my medication and when I'm not taking it I feel like I'm fully me but I'm fully manic yeah when I'm not my meds 
So it's a double-edged sword on that. And then as far as what you're saying about the withdrawals, um, I completely, I completely agree with you because I've been um, like messing with my meds for about the past three months. And yesterday I was feeling really bad and I was like, what is going on? And I'm like, didn't take my meds. And I took them and I could literally feel it like coursing through my body, like starting to work yeah. and feeling like, feeling like the electric in my head and like everywhere. <coughs> and it's like, wow, this is bad. You know, for me to be able to feel it like that. And it's, this is a prescribed medication and not a street drug. Mm-hmm. And I'm still feeling it like that. And it was like, this, that, it scares me that I need it that badly. Yeah, it's very interesting. Like I said, I'm not kicking medications for everybody because there's sometimes I do believe like if, um, you know, for certain bipolar disorders, there's a lot of medications out there that seem to mitigate the switch in mood conflictions. You know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, I, I don't know what medications, you know, are exactly prescribed. Um, but if you're telling me that, you know, a lot of the times you whenever you're taking your medication, you feel an immediate, you know, difference. Like a rush. Yeah. Yeah. Rush, like a body buzz type thing. And it's like, this is a prescribed medication. I don't think that you're supposed to get high off your medication. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and I, and if I stay off them for too long, once I start to go into withdrawal and then I take them, it's a definite high that I get off it. And it, you know, it's, and it, it makes me, it, I mean, I would say it does, it scares me because it's like, so if I wasn't taking this continue continually, what would I, where would my baseline be at now? And my, mm-hmm. and the one that I'm, the one that I'm talking about, I'll I'll give the name out is Abilify. It's a new med I'm on, and it's basically so that I don't go psychotic, which happens. Um, and in my Dancing with Bipolar, on one of my shows called This Is Why We Take Our Meds, I go through a whole episode of where I'm totally losing my mind. And um, I think I'm being home invaded and I'm not. And there's all kinds of stuff going on. And it's strictly, yeah, it's, you should listen to it. It's like, it's out of control. Oh, man. That's yeah. awesome. And that happened, it happened to me last year. So I'm like relating what happened. But I wound up hospitalized after that one for about 14 days because I was convinced I had killed somebody during this, mm-hmm. this episode. And um, I, it took them like seven days for me in being inpatient before I actually would even consider the fact that i had not killed somebody during that episode that's crazy oh my goodness and see i don't mean to laugh at like your situation i laugh because like you're reflecting on it and like you're like yeah this i was i was in this position you know what i mean it always makes me laugh whenever people are able to like you know with hindsight see it with 2020 vision yeah and that's why i take my medication now because i don't want to go back to that ever again but I play pretty close to the sidelines when it comes to actually being compliant with my medication. And I don't suggest anybody mess with it. It's going through withdrawals is not fun. Coming back on it is not fun. Um, but it's just the way I live my life, you know? And, um, but like I said, I don't suggest anybody be non-compliant with their medication. Take them as you're supposed to. And if you don't like them, talk to your doctor and see if they can wean you off them. Don't ever go cold turkey off your meds. It's all bad. I remember I worked with a girl that had like really, really bad anxiety. Like she would get so anxious that she would like almost forget how to talk. 
It was mm-hmm. really weird. Unless she was on her anxiety medications. And whenever she was on her anxiety medications, she was bubbly and she was talkative and she was very expressive. You almost couldn't shut her up. You know what I mean? Really? But like whenever she, she was yeah, yeah. yeah, but whenever she would run out of these medications, it was almost as if she was mute and like she was scared to talk. Wow. Which it freaks yeah, so it freaks me out. And you know, she explained to me a lot like how the medications made her feel and like, you know, the type of feelings that would overcome her whenever she was withdrawing or running low. Cause she would purposely not take them um, like every day. You know what I mean? She would only take them right. like every two days or like whenever things were bad, whenever, you know, she was going yeah. through an episode, whatever the case may be. And um, something that I had told her and she, cause I talked about this to everybody just cause I've smoked for like a really, really long time. You know what I mean? I, I think I started smoking when I was, I was young and it was, <laughs> it was because of, I stayed the night at a friend's house and they were like, Hey, uh, we're going to go to the shed real quick. And I was like, all right, whatever. This is back when people still smoked out of soda cans. And, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> so, you know, I was around it a lot. I never, perp- like, I never, you know, I didn't like the way it made my throat feel when I was younger. So I would just like get secondhand high, but I liked the way that it made me feel because everything was like goofy to me. You know what I mean? Like I'm naturally a very anxious person. I'm constantly thinking, I think because, you know, I've had a similar childhood, um, full of abuse. My, like I said, my little brother's dad, uh, put my family through a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? There was like a lot of abuse. There was, you know, a lot of like mental, uh, manipulation, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, um, and totally yeah. the crazy a thing, of, a lot of uncertainness about everything. Yeah. 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 So like, know. even yeah. as, even though I'm not in a situation like that whatsoever, I haven't been in those, th- that type of environment for over like seven years to this day, I'm constantly thinking of every possible situation that could be wrong like this morning i was with my girlfriend we're i mean we're laying in bed we're, um she turned over and she like grabbed her phone and you know like i said i'm working overnights i've been working two jobs so like it could be me being tired but also it's a mixture of you know what i'm about to just tell you like my manic mind of where i'm like constantly thinking what the worst case scenario of everything i noticed she grabbed her phone and like the past couple days she would move it closer to her and i'm just like hey what are you hiding from me like uh, why do you keep moving your phone away from me are you mad because i went through it once you know what i mean and then she's like no like i'm just trying to keep it away from you because sometimes i get texts in the morning and i don't want you to wake up and i was like oh now i feel like an asshole because you know what i mean because i just accused you yeah Yeah. Exactly. So like, yep. and, but this is shit that happens to me constantly. Like no matter what, every single situation I'm in, I could be at work. I could be like, Oh, I wonder if that person thinks that, you know, because I'm sniffing my nose that I did cocaine. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, like I, everything is some kind of like anxious I thought. I you know what I mean? I do. I totally understand that. And let me tell you, I don't know if that's something you're ever going to actually get over. So, um, yeah. So like, like I said, that's why I smoke a lot, like, especially at night, because like I be up my sleep at night. So I tend to just smoke so I can, you know, relax. And plus it helps me 
it helps my anxious mind because I'm always thinking regardless of what influence I'm under. It helps me pull out the more creative sides of, you know, my thought processes. So, uh, you know, I can think about how to orchestrate my podcast better. I can think about what move to make next, how to set up my studio, whatever the case may be. So something that I always ask people um, because a lot of people, that I know, like I said, the girl that had the really bad anxiety, she said that weed helped her a lot. Like she smokes these little vape pens because she couldn't like <laughs> roll blunts or joints or anything like that. And she didn't like the way that it, like I said before, you know, beginning smokers never really like right. the way that the throat hit feels. So she preferred uh, wax pens, which was cool. Right. And she said uh-huh. it makes everything a hundred times better and she doesn't have any withdrawals. And I was like, I know, like, you know, go get you some weed you know what i'm saying and and i I try to push this on everybody so i always ask um especially my guests that have some type of um mental disorder or mental illness i guess you could say uh if they've ever experimented with marijuana and what your um experiments are like like does it do you think it makes you feel better or do you think it makes you feel worse i wish it was legalized yeah I Fair enough. Was legalized everywhere. <laughs> it should be. Um, it's it's God's medication is how I look at it. And the problem I have with it now is, well, first of all, finding it because I don't have a green card. I'm on disability. So me getting a card mm-hmm. while I'm in treatment is like one of those probably never going to happen type things. My doctor is completely against marijuana, which we have. Yeah. Um, why? I'm not sure why. Do you mind me asking? Tied in with big pharma somehow. I think that they all are when it comes into like big conglomerate behavioral health systems. They get a tip. Uh huh. Well, I'll tell you this. My cousin, um, the one that was actually in the hospital, he was doing. Uh, he was like in the medical field for a minute while he was going to school. They showed him a checklist that a lot of doctors use for new patients that this is where your medication switch ups come from, where basically they'll be like, Oh, you're, this is the, what you're telling me. They'll check off, you know, you're feeling nauseous. You have back pain, you have headaches, whatever, whatever. And based on that checklist, it'll like refine, like filter it down basically like a funnel down to what would be a good start off medication. And then after six weeks, they say, how are your, how's your medication feeling? Do you need to up the dosage or do we need to change it? And then they'll go through another checklist similar to it and say, Oh, we put them on this medication. And it just, it's just a big funnel of switching medications. And a lot of them, there's not too many tests for that thing. They just are trying it to see oh, if yeah. this is I feel, yeah, I feel going like to help you. You know what I'm saying? Take. I mean, they have me on seven different medications right now. One I refuse to take. I won't take trazodone. Um, I overdose on trazodone back when I lived back in Connecticut, and um, I won't take that drug. They keep they keep giving it to me, and I like have a stockpile of it. So if anybody needs trazodone, hit me up. I have plenty of it. Um, <laughs> <you know>. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. But, um, yeah. <laughs> the thing is with the weed, they, there's something funny about weed and pharmaceutical um, mental illness drugs that they make you go into psychosis. And so then they have that on me. Like if I come in and I'm like, I'm starting to see stuff, I'm going delusional, they'll be like drug test and they'll drug test me. And they'll be like, oh, you come up positive for THC. And I'm like, well, duh. I keep on telling you that I'm not going to stop this because this makes me feel better it makes my stomach feel yeah. better it makes my head feel better 
I feel creative on it. I clean my house when I'm stoned. When I'm not stoned and I'm on all these pharmaceuticals, my house comes into being a pigsty. I want to go out and interact with people when I'm on when I smoke weed. I want to do shit when I'm on weed. And when I'm on pharmaceuticals, I don't want to do that stuff. It's not the same. And it's like, why couldn't you all just give me a green mm-hmm. card, sign off on it, and I'll come back every six weeks for my checkup, you know, where you guys can still talk to me and see how it goes. And I can guarantee you it's going to be going better than it's going on the pharmaceuticals. And they will not do it. And I don't know if that. Yes. I say I'm going to vote that you, next time you have to visit with your doctor, tell them that, and this is going to sound very, very biased, but I'm just curious if it's okay, going to work yeah, and you can follow up with me if it does. Okay. Tell them. Tell them that because of your age and how many pharmaceutical pills that you're taking, that you're liver in fear failing. of your liver well, failing because of, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing though. You know what I mean? A lot of people have liver failure as they get older, especially having to take so many pills and medications, whether it be blood pressure, you know, diabetes, because of, you know, the constant uh, yeah. liver having to process all these medications. So I would... Play that card yeah, see and see, if, see where it gets the you. The thing is, when I overdose I, on trazodone, I actually, like, shut down all my body systems. Um, and it took months for me to come back mm-hmm. from that overdose. I mean, that was a lethal over- overdose. I died and came back. So I have a near-death experience. But um, yeah. when I went, when I overdosed, I was 40. It was on my 40th birthday. I'm in the, yeah, well, it was kind of, oh, I my goodness. Of, it worked out okay because I'm still here. Um but the thing was, I was oh, a yeah. full-blown alcoholic, overdosing on my meds, and my liver function was at two percent function when I went into the hospital at that time. So had I not oh, overdosed, I would have died because I was going into jaundice and all this from the alcohol. So legitimately, for me, uh-huh. that is not even half a lie for me to go into my doctor and say, "Listen, dude, actually, I love my doctor. He's actually a cool dude, except for this one thing." But it's like, listen. Um, I'm deciding I'm going off all my meds. You're going to help me titrate off them. And we're going to go with marijuana maintenance for a year and see how that works. And I'm going to do that this next time I come in, which is like February, I see him again. And I'll, I'll leave, I'll let you know what he says. Cause he might be like, yeah, he might be like, you're on that's your great. Own, or he might be like, yeah, I'm through it. You've been begging me for this for two years. Let's give it a shot and see what happens. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm saying and I feel like it's the better alternative anyways. Now, I'm sure there are some medications, you know, that probably can help, you know, if you stay on them. Um, I would definitely, if there's any medications that like, say that this flies, right? And he's like, all right, cool. But I still want you to take these three out of seven pills. Um, I would definitely do some research. Like there's plenty of message boards online that you can look up where people, um avid drug users um typically <laughs> post here and it's just like what their experiences whenever they've oh, mixed certain things that, you know what i mean and so i think i've been on that one on and off for years so, um, several there's several different ones but um i always like to read them just because like i have a my little brothers uh, are a couple party animals so i always like to try to like if i don't know what they're going to be doing but i know what they careful. have on them i'll be like hey you know I'm going to look on this website and see like what the typical uh, responses with the, you know what I mean? Just so I can kind of know where their headspace yeah, is whenever, if I ever have to talk to that. them. Like don't take, um, DM, don't take DMT. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, exactly. Um, I don't know. 
because I haven't done DMT, but probably mix it with anything. I think that's one of those that you want to just leave it by itself if you're gonna do it. You have a little nice yeah. little spiritual ceremony. Yeah. My friend and I um, were talking about well doing that going right because in Arizona, you know, DMT we could probably easily find it truthfully. Um, but I'm a, I. Uh huh. I assume ayahuasca would be more of a because I mean, but the thing is with those type of uh, drugs, I know ayahuasca, you have to get done through like a sweat lodge with the ceremony, like a shaman. So, I mean, if you're going to, I would go that way because I've heard a lot of people, like especially a lot of successful people that have done ayahuasca or have done DMT through like an actual shaman and had like a guidance uh practitioner there they've like they would just wake up and turn around and do something completely crazy like there was one guy that um he had i want to say he had a pill problem and just one after his uh you know dmt trip he just decided that that wasn't good for him anymore it wasn't good for his body and then he just stopped taking all of it no, cold turkey but, which you're not supposed to do but cold yeah, turkey kind of like you know, perfectly fine state with like i mean because i kind of think that's part of what happens with like the trips that you go on with dmt and ayahuasca that is kind of like a hypnotic state that you mm-hmm. get into so in a way maybe he had done his you know titrating off of it during that whatever short period of time he was in the sweat lodge and he didn't need to actually physically, because he had already yeah. physically detoxed from it through there. Because you know, from what I understand, it's a pretty, it's pretty trippy. And um, and I live, I live literally yeah. three miles away from the largest Apache reservation in the United States. And I, yeah, I've oh, met you could, you could definitely go. Man or um, you know, spiritual woman who is like, you know, just let me know, and we'll we'll set it up for you. And um, but I I need to make sure that the interaction between that and my psych drugs before I get off them isn't going to lead me into kind of, you know, cause I don't, I would yeah. hate for them to be like giving, offering me this great trip and then die on them, you know, because like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, really no, seriously. Concern, but, um, oh yeah, I've been offered the sweat lodge thing more times than I can actually count out here. I'm, I'm partially Indian too. I'm Pequot from back East and they recognize that in me up uh-huh. here, uh, which is good, you know, so they're, yeah, they're always coming to That's me and cool. talk. I, I feel very blessed in a weird way about that, you know, because I'm always being offered stuff and they recognize me and I have that that thing to the with animals, that spiritual connection with animals and mm-hmm. children, which is really weird. And then with the older members of the tribe, the, the mentors of the tribe, they're always finding me on the bus. They're always mm-hmm. like corralling me and telling me all these stories and all this stuff that I'm like, I don't understand why you're telling me this right now, but at some point in time in my life, I know what you just told me is going to be invaluable. So I always listen to the wisdom, always. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. That's awesome. I mean, that's cool that you have those, you know, connections. You take pride in those. Um, I want to use these last like 15 minutes uh, to kind of talk about, it's crazy, huh? The time flies whenever you're having fun. You won't believe how many uh, people I've had in the past uh, things that like, you know, were not published where 30 minutes seemed to be like two hours just because, yeah, just cause some people just, I think, I don't know if it's the nervousness behind it, but you know, some people just don't have a very good way of articulating their thoughts. So it takes a lot of ums and a lot of thinking in the process of, you know, that. responding <laughs> and that makes for a, makes for an uneventful podcast. 
but um so i wanted to, what <laughs> i was leading up to is i want to use these last 15 minutes to kind of uh share any practices that you're doing today that are kind of getting you through you know your manic episodes what you're like any mantras that you're using any practices like uh you know itineraries things and you know of that nature that you're using to keep yourself grounded to remind yourself that you're still you you're not the way that you know your emotions are making you feel these are just what's Um, happening to you well i as i've gotten older actually like well i still go manic i'm a tiny bit manic today which has nothing to do with the interview but it's just i'm just there i literally i don't really use a mattress so to speak but i use my dog to ground myself uh, I've had Doc mm-hmm. since I got sober, so he will be 14 this coming April. Um, but I, I mean, I guess I do have some mantras like "keep on going" is one, of course, which I think almost anybody that has been through any kind of uh, traumatic experience will use. I ground myself daily in my shower, truthfully. I, you know, and that's why when I start going mm-hmm. major depressive episodes and I'm not showering, which, okay, sounds gross, but it happens. Like, you don't want to get into your bed, get out of bed. Yeah, you oh, know, I know. Like there. Yeah. Um, the shower is my, the shower is like my great grounding place. And I learned that when I was in DBT, which is biological behavioral therapy, when I first started, when I first got diagnosed and started getting well, I think I probably have a lot of grounding things I don't even actually think about. Like, you know, um, I'm very tactile. Um, I was a quilter for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. So I ground myself tactfully with, uh, well, petting my dog is one of them. But just in the process of like putting on my boots or in the process of brushing my hair or things like that, where I might not actually be, be thinking about that's what I'm doing, but I am actually grounding myself during those periods of time. I, I journal daily, which is a good way of keeping yourself, um, you know, of of keeping track of where you are, if you're flying off the handle or if you're maintaining, you know, throughout the month or the week, I walk every day. So that's very much a grounding. Yeah. I walk my, I don't always walk him every day now because he's getting, it's going to be 14. He's getting up there, but I would do a good two, three miles with him. But now I, I do a lot of it by myself. I run, I have an exercise regimen. I'm very, I'm very, um, aware of what I'm putting in my body as far as food, as far as food goes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, cause again, the mixture between really shitty food and psych meds is all bad. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah. Cause I mean, your, your, your gut flora gets all screwed up and especially on yeah. top of all those medications, it's, it's a recipe for oh, hormone imbalance. Cause I don't know if you know this, a lot of, um, why people favor intermittent fasting is because over you typically you do anywhere between 12 to 16 hours of fasted, right? And that's counting the time that you're asleep. So if you sleep eight hours, then you're really only fasting four hours in the morning and four hours at night. Um, If you're doing it, you know, like all at once, say you have your last meal four hours before you go to bed, then you sleep eight hours, then four hours in the morning, you know, you're skipping breakfast, (laughs) drinking some black coffee and some soda water and you're fine. But um, that for those 16 hours, what happens is, is your stomach, uh, your, your gut flora, 
um, typically in a change of diet like that, it kind of resets itself. And that means, you know, basically you're back, the healthy bacteria in your stomach is kind of doing what it needs to be doing and, you know, taking care of everything that goes on down there. Now, I don't know the exact specifics of it. Typically, I'm pretty good on this information, but I do know that whenever your gut flora is imbalanced, right, and you're not taking any probiotics and you have a natural, like from fast food, you have all that bad bacteria, the shit that your body can't get rid of, but it's just sitting in there and the good bacteria, there's not enough of it to weigh out the bad bacteria in your stomach. That's where a lot of your mood imbalances can come from. You can get um, like a lot of, uh, what is it? Oh, yeah. Sleep disorders. From having unhealthy gut flora, there's a, a ton of things that can happen like to your body just because of like your imbalanced gut flora. So the reason why people favor intermittent fasting is because of that. You know, it resets your gut flora every single day, yeah, regardless of what you I've eat. I've never actually like considered like how I eat and when I eat and like how much intermittent fasting is between there. I eat when my body tells me I'm hungry. And I constantly drink mm-hmm. because I'm always dehydrated, which could just be because of age now, or it could be because of medication, or it just could be just how my body runs that I'm depleting of, of fluids a lot. Um, but I, I was looking into this company, which yeah. I'm not going to name. Um, I'm considering them for sponsorship at this point in time. But they say we actually have three brains, and our stomach and our, within our gut is definitely one of the brains that we have. So that isn't that kind of weird to think that we could be thinking from our stomach, which is full of poison and all kinds of crap, literally. Um, but we're thinking from that part of our body. Now, doesn't that make you want to clean up that part of your body? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That's the whole reason why yeah. you should be taking probiotics, especially, you know, after getting any type of surgery done. A lot of the times you get put on uh, heavy doses of antibiotics, which kill the good bacteria in your stomach, which leads to a weaker immune system in the future. Um, I encourage everybody, whether it be to that have, you know, any mood disorders like anxiety, sleep disorders. I always tell them to start with uh, probiotics. That's always been, you know, just something that I'm yeah, a firm a believer in. I don't know if that's necessarily a probiotic or not. Uh, yeah, Greek uh, yogurt has a decent amount of probiotics in it, yeah. but you still want to be taking some kind of, you know, like uh, 25 parts per billion to start out with just to see how that makes you feel. And honestly, believe it or not, uh, you may feel like a little less stressed because uh, I, th- I do think, which I could be wrong on this. I don't have my laptop out right now, but I'm, I think that your cortisol levels can uh, correlate to your, well, uh, your mean, gut flora. I mean, biologically, that makes perfect sense. So, yeah. It's crazy how much your gut flora has I, a lot to do with the bodily functions. Brain was. So it's one in your head, one in your gut, and then that's so funny. Like I had all this information written down and I was like on a conference call the other day with it. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. And now I can't remember where the third brain was supposed to be. Ah, I'm going to go maybe somewhere in your, lymph- your lymphatic, system, lymphatic system. Wow. Say that fast four times. Your lymph nodes. That can make sense. I, I feel like that's, yeah, so I think there's that's some what it was, but there. I'm not going to name this company because um, I haven't yet decided if I want, uh, you know, sponsorship is a funny thing as you probably well know. So it's like. Yeah, typically I just kind of do my own thing with the sponsorships. I don't really, I'm not, I'm not one to be like, Oh, I have this sponsor. So I have to clean up the podcast or I have to clean up how I present it. You know what I mean? I just, 
I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. And, and if that reduces the amount of sponsorships I get, then, you know, fine. I'll, yeah, I'll rock with what way. I have. And, yeah, you know, people will like me for, I mean, well, I think there is my sponsor now, which I'm good with because the only thing I had to do was pull music off my, my past shows. And I had just gotten a jingle. So it was like, this is going to happen anyway. And then, for some reason, Anchor reopened mm-hmm. sponsorship for me because I had already tried it once when I had no idea what I was doing and made a whopping 42 cents out of all my sponsorships. <laughs> now, um, I'm doing a little bit better than that right now. So it's like, but um, yeah, I never wanted to monetize my show because that wasn't what it was all about. I didn't want, yeah. And then yeah. it just kind of happened this way, but I'm, it's the whole idea of my show is not to make money. In fact, my idea of my show was to not make money off the show, but off of merchandise and stuff on the back end of it. So, yeah. And I, oh, that's cool. I mean, it's still well, a smart way to do it, too. Yet, but, you know. <laughs> hey, you know, you just, you just got to uh, make sure you're flooding your oh, yeah. social media. Um, yep. Take the Gary V approach, you know, oh. and just constantly constantly optimize something that i do to get a lot more listeners on my podcast too is um, a nice little marketing tip i'll give out to everybody just because this is a you know free world but um i go on twitter and what i'll do is i'll search podcast recommendations right everybody who's like i'm looking for a pod recommendation and there goes your show yes i do that yeah yeah and then i spend like 30 minutes a day and just send them my link, like, hey, check this out. This I is do. what I do. Here's my link. And, boom, you know, boom, 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 boom. Since December, my show has, I don't know, um, five times overgrown. Um, yeah, it's good. And that's what that marketing does for you. It's a, it's a simple thing you can do. Okay. What's twenty minutes out of your day that you're going to spend? You know, fucking watching Netflix or YouTube or TikTok. <laughs> you know, why not? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, anyways, uh, go ahead and use this last five minutes to plug yourself into the podcast. Tell everybody where to find you, where to listen to your podcast, um, your social media. If you have a website, you know, go ahead and share that information. So if any of the listeners feel like, you know, they want to reach out to you or they have any questions okay, cool. for you, well, um, they can. So my podcast is Dancing with Bipolar. Um, it's off of Anchor, but you can find it everywhere. Um, I'm on iHeartRadio. I'm on iTunes. iTunes. Um, tune in i'm on all the regular uh podcast hosting sites i'm out there if you just put it in just google dance with bipolar podcast um it comes up and so do pictures of me which had i realized when i first went public with my podcast that all my pictures that were in my instagram account were going to become public like that um i still would have done it but (laughs) it's like you can see, you can, um, there's lots of pictures of me out there, which um, I don't look 55. I'm just going to leave that right there. And I don't look 70. Um, so, yeah, you're going to be like, you're not 55. I am. I was born generally so I can 65 legitimately. So that's the uh, podcast. My my webpage is dancingwithbipolar.com. And on that, you will find a bunch of resources um, to stay alive with. Uh, and I have a lot of stuff on there for people that are like having a really bad struggle day and aren't sure which direction they want to go. I have a ton of diversions on there. Lots of pictures, some quizzes. Um, Like I said, a lot of resource numbers, hotline numbers, stuff along that. So if you're really having a shitty day and 
you're just like looking for something to lose yourself in, go to dancingwithbipolar.com. You can distract yourself easily there and then come out on the other side of that. Um, Instagram, everything is Dancing With Bipolar and then slash Dawn Shireen. So I'm on Twitter, um, Instagram, like I said, and um, Facebook, I have my own page, Dancing With Bipolar, which is there. My Facebook is Dawn Shireen, S-H-E-R-I-N-E. There's a space in the middle of them, Dawn Shireen. So feel free to friend me if you want to. Go ahead and do that. And then also I want to say, like, on the, um, the dot-com page, I give my I give my mailing address and I also do give my actual real phone number only to text though. Like if you're in need and you can't find anybody else that's going to help you or it's like too late at night, you don't want to disturb your friends or anything like that, or you're embarrassed that you're having these feelings, text me. Um, well, we'll you know, I'll walk you through it. We'll get through it. And, um, but don't call me cause I won't answer my phone. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to change <laughs> my answering machine thing to, you know what to do, because I don't answer my phone. There's two people I legitimately will answer my phone for, but other than that, just text me. And if I feel the need, like I want to talk to you, I'll call you, I'll call you, you know, but um, for most instances, we can get through on a text, but I know that seems unusual. And like most people wouldn't give out like that public information. My mailing address is on there as well, too, because I want people to send me pictures and stuff so I can start to put them on there and, like, show my, my listener artwork and things along those lines. Uh, but I know that's unusual. Most Heck, yeah. Yeah. My, well, Get a no, P.O. box. my home address. Come, you know, if you want to come to Arizona and find me, yeah. I, I got plenty of people around me. Nothing untoward is going to go down. But um, I feel like that just makes me more accessible. I mean, it does, but it also makes me more real to people that to make it more relatable that I'm just like y'all you know I have an address just like y'all and I have a phone number like you and I have ups and downs and issues and bills and all that good stuff like everybody else does but I made it um, I made it through my suicide and I feel like I made it through my suicide so I could help other people not have to experience what it is to come through a suicide you know it's I, I want to help people. I don't want you all to live in the dark. I want everybody to kind of come to the dark, to the brighter side of it. Even though I love the dark side, I'm not going to lie, but come on to the brighter side. It's as good, you know? And um, so, yeah, look for me there and like, let me know that you're there. I might, on the, uh, the webpage, I have plenty of opportunity for you to, you know, message me and um, book yourself as a, as a guest, if you want to be on my show. And, um, you know, dancingwithbipolar.com, Dancing with Bipolar, it's out there. Just find it and you'll find me. <laughs> awesome. Well, Don, I appreciate you so You're much. Welcome. Thank you for coming on. Everybody, this is the Melancholy Condition, and we are out. Y'all have a good one. Put your head on.